Rarely has mankind hesitated, hesitated, hesitated. It is time. Tasker. Solo variety. Down to earth. Show. Tasker. Solo variety. Down to earth. Show. Tasker. Solo variety. Down to earth. Show. It's time for the Professor Tasker Show. Goo readings, ladies, gentlemen, government agents, sleeper agents who might accidentally be activated by this episode and anybody who might be listening. This is Close Encounters of the Podcast Kind. I am your host, Tasker, and I'm the only host today. Nick is gone off to celebrate his birthday, so I am once again taking over for a solo episode. Um... Now, usually with this break in format, we're going to skip horoscopes, we're going to, all the formalities, we're going to jump right into it, but um, just a little bit of an update on um, the status of this recording. Um, it is now 2.50 in the morning. Um, I'm on a huge crunch this week, and uh, I am barely, this is literally the only time I have found to be able to record this, so um, this episode might be a disaster, but it actually might be the perfect episode to be a disaster because today we're going to talk about the concept of hyper reality, which um, at almost three in the morning is a very confusing subject to talk about. Um, but you know what? We're going to give it a go. Uh, I'm doing my best here. Um, I got my whiskey right here to help uh, loosen the mood a little bit. Let me take a quick sip. Hmm. Well, that's nice. I'm just making the the smacking noises so I don't have to cut this. But um, yeah, let's get into the episode. Uh, let's see what happens. And um, let's hope for the best. Maybe we can learn something. Maybe we could get a little terrified. Maybe not. Who knows? So as the world is reopening, there is this bizarre unease in the air around us. We want to be optimistic. And yet we have new variants of COVID. We have Conflicting mask lockdown regulations, insane gas prices, things are continually feeling more chaotic, uncertain. Reality just feels so unreal, so absurd, and so ridiculous. Our confidence in our government is breaking. There could never possibly be a better time to discuss the concept of hyperreality. So to begin, yes, there will be a little bit of some Matrix, the Matrix, the movie stuff to discuss, um, except um, it's not going to be as literal because the Matrix implies that um, a simulation in which we're being forced to be in, a, a simulation that we cannot control. Hyperreality, in a way, we can control, sort of. It's more about how, like... Um, I mean, I'll get into it a little bit more, but it's this idea of um, we create fake things that start to become so much more efficient and better and uh, or just well liked than the original that the original no longer matters. And we now can like surround ourselves in a manufactured like we're basically bending reality so much that the original rules don't even matter anymore and we can sort of manufacture the way things um, we want it to, to our convenience, to ourselves as humans. Um, if that didn't make any sense at all, um, I'm literally going to spend the entire episode trying to have that make sense. So um, first, let's go back to the Matrix for a second. Let's think about the Matrix. Obviously, like I said, that's a, that's a virtual reality. That's something... Um, it's a forced virtual reality. It's more of a virtual prison, if we're being more literal with that. 
Um, versus, on the other hand, there's the character named Cypher who makes a decision to get re- who betrays his buddies to get replugged into a, the Matrix to live a fake life of luxury. Um, in a way, that can be described as a sort of hyper reality, especially with the fact that he made the choice of choosing a um, because you know he's not being forced into it. it's not a prison to him. He still has his like you know he's still controls that his intake of information but he's making the choice of using a constructed world because he just likes it better technically that could be considered hyper reality so before i get even more deeper into this uh let me first preface by saying that i am in no way qualified to speak on this subject at all uh i've never studied sociology psychology uh, i took philosophy 101 that's just about it i'm just your regular, average, humble American podcaster with a bachelor's of fine arts and some free time, curiosity, and as of right now, a little bit of sleep deprivation. So that being noted, um, let's try to dive into some more of the nitty gritty of this instead of just the rambles. Let's try to get something a little bit more um, academic, I guess you could say. So like any pursuer of knowledge, we're best to start off with a simple definition. So now Webster Dictionary defines hyperreality as the state of being hyperreal. Yeah, real fucking helpful, right? Um, I tried a different dictionary, uh, the Collins Dictionary, which defined hyperreality as, quote, an image or simulation or an aggregate of images and simulations that either distorts the reality it purports to depict or does not, in fact, depict anything with a real existence at all, but which nonetheless comes to constitute reality. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, it's not super easy defining this as i came to find um originally i thought hyper reality which i found is not necessarily too too off but um hyper reality is a sort of we can pick and choose the news stations we watch we can pick and choose the youtube videos we watch we can pick and choose the intake of information we receive to basically surround ourselves with the truth that's convenient to us. And although that is definitely part of it, that doesn't constitute the entire concept of hyper-reality. So um, it goes a lot deeper than that, as I so found. Um, I think that is a good simplified way of looking at it. Um, and that was the really the inspiration of this episode was because, you know, we live in this weird era where, you know, we were all stuck inside our houses for like a year and a half. And now it seems to be not getting much better. And this weird perception of like, well, and here's the, the twist is I thought actually being stuck at home in during covid would make hyper reality stronger than ever. But actually, it did kind of the opposite. Um I don't know if I'm getting too ahead of myself here, but um, you know what? Fuck it. It's uh, it's almost 3 a.m. As I said before, it's actually 2.56. So, you know what? We're doing it live. Um, damn it. Lost my train of thought there. Um, hyper-reality. Um, right. COVID. You're right, guys. You are right. Um, with COVID, actually, um, the shock and the trauma, you could even say, of everything going on, in fact, shook us out of hyper-reality for a bit. Um, the image, the fact we just kind of more than being stuck at home made us realize more than ever that we're living, living through an impression of the human experience. Um, I think that's really the big point here is defining the human experience and the human spirit and that it's not that it's dead. 
it's that we're just not living the real deal. We're living what we believe is the human experience and what we believe is the idea of the human spirit without realizing that um, in order to properly reclaim that human spirit, we would have to go back to like pre-technology and nobody really wants to do that. So there's that idea of like, is it worth throwing ourselves back into um, more of, is it worth putting our survivability in jeopardy just so we can, feel the human spirit or are we just sort of doomed to keep walking down this path of losing what it was that originally made us human and feel human and feel like a person because we just found because we're actually kind of okay even though we're not doing the real deal anymore that's a and there I don't have an answer for that there's that's a huge question right now it's a huge thing that's going on and um a lot um of speculation on how this is affecting general mental health and how this like kind of a big problem right now. I mean, we have mass shootings. We have a bunch of, we have a huge crisis. Everybody's depressed. There's this whole idea of there's just no meaning in anything anymore. And it could be because that might exactly be the truth. We originally had meaning and purpose because our purpose was to survive. And now that we've succeeded in that and we've created a society where, you know, we don't really have to worry about surviving. Um, we, we turn the human experience into more catered towards um, our place in society, how people if people like us or not. And, um, and do they think I'm cool? Do they think I'm successful? Suddenly that matters more than survivability because survivability is a commodity. So something like that. But um, let's go into when the concept of hyperreality first came out because this is – Nothing new. This has actually been around for a while. And um, one could argue um, the guy who came up with it actually probably got it right because it seems to be happening. But um, the first time concept of hyperreality was proposed was during the onset of capitalism, consumerism, and the modern world as we soared toward postmodernism. Uh, postmodern world is where we're in right now. Um, it comes right after the modern era, which... Um, that was, you know, the enlightenment period. We have the scientific method, like people are starting to discover things. We're inventing things. Um, the idea of like mass production is just starting to become a thing. And like, you know, we're building cars and shit. And um, basically the way I, the way I think it, I digest it best is it was the time when science and technology had begun to automate and improve the human experience. Whereas the postmodern world is the human experience became technology um we're no longer and that's i guess where kind of hyper reality kicks in of like we're not doing things based off of like what we actually you know originally needed we're just doing it based on the thing that's based on um like i said this is a very deep rabbit hole um if it doesn't make sense um just keep listening um i have a lot of examples in here that hopefully i don't gloss over too much that hopefully can explain this a little bit better but um, just a little like fun little tidbit with postmodern world is um, another bit is where uh, we're actually this is like the era of um, like criticism of like the old world. Um, there's a better word. For, skepticism is the word I was thinking of on top of that nihilism of basically like since we are half of the point of postmodernism and in a way uh, hyper creating a stronger hyper reality around us 
we are just kind of, there's just really no meaning at all. And that sort of becomes like a, a postmodern way of thinking. There's no point to anything. Everything we've done was a construct to survive or to get by or to control people in an era where warfare was rampant, where our survivability wasn't guaranteed. But now that that's not a thing, there's just really no, the only point we have is just to wake up because we should wake up. Like, kind of creepy, kind of creepy. So the word hyperreality was first coined by French sociologist Jean Baudrillard, uh, whatever, in his 1981 treatise uh, Simulacra and Simulation, where hyperreality is defined as the inability of consciousness to disguise reality from a simulation of reality. Now, this follows the idea that all reality and meaning have basically been replaced with symbols and signs and that the human experience is now a simulation of reality. Kind of like I was talking about earlier, the human experience just was because we were a part of the natural world. It just it just was. But as we automated and, you know, made things easier for ourselves all that the that original thing that made the human experience the human experience, which doesn't go away because we are still the human creature. Um, we replaced it with something like it, but that more fits into this world where we don't have to, you know, fight for our survivability. And the the problem here is that we sacrificed, you know, our meaning in order to just, you know, have a more cozy existence. Um a lot of this is with the postmodern world is like it's like the va- that value system is was quite literally made up it's fake it's it none of it really matters because we we did it to sort of distance ourselves from that natural world we first came from better way to describe it better way to describe it is if you really think about it any of the real like major life skills that you can learn from growing up in this modern world are pretty fucking useless in any other era beforehand. I mean, back in the day, you know, you learn how to, like, clean a chicken or you learn how to, you know, garden or not garden, farm is better. better. But, I mean, like, fucking micromanaging, um, learning how to start a small business from the ground up through um, understanding corporate loopholes. Um, yeah, 400 years ago, none of that, sh- I mean, in a way, it can... Some of that can carry over, but like a lot of it kind of doesn't. Like one uh, example that really struck me was um, I think it was uh, the Onion article where it said like um, man who if he was born in an ancient time would have been like a legendary warrior asks like, you know, if you need help at Best Buy because our purpose in back then was warfare, survivability, conquering and all that stuff. But since that's no longer a thing. Somebody who might have had their meaning in life to become a warrior no longer have it because that's not a value that's important anymore. It's not, we've, we've sort of took that realistic value of in terms of the natural world and toss it over our shoulder because we're like, well, no, because we don't, we, we want to kind of deviate from killing people because we don't have to fight. We don't have to, the entire world is populated. Now the borders are pretty clear. Uh, nobody's really disputing shit as well. Okay. There are some places that are disputing things quite badly, but you, you see what I mean though. It's like, you know, things weren't as unstable, unstable. And now these people who are literally bred to be warriors or these people that were bred to be, you know, these certain that served a realistic purpose. Um, 
no longer can serve that purpose and their lives have now inherently become meaningless. But in that meaninglessness, we've created a fake meaning to keep going because at our core, we do want to survive and keep moving. And that fake meaning in meaninglessness is hyper reality in a weird way. It's a, it's a fake reality that's become more real than actual reality because real reality is the warrior should be a warrior. The warrior should fight and the warrior should conquer. But that reality is old news. Hyper reality is, yeah, you're a warrior. So you should open up a gym or you should be a personal trainer or um, you're just meant for manual labor, which is also not as celebrated as, you know, as it would be back then. And you can see where it's sort of the problem with like hyper reality in the modern world is this is a disconnect. And it's this sort of, you know, griping with the fact that not only is my purpose like, you know, like not, well, not even that people don't even know their purpose anymore. Unless you have a really strong, like uh, knowledge of your family history, this purpose is almost getting lost entirely. And I think that's the fucking point of this whole deal is without purpose. Like we're just kind of these, we're just, you know, trucking along and like, you know, buying, (laughs) buying anime and playing video games and filling the void until we die, basically. Mm. So another way to think of this is we are basically, our purpose is to just continue our simulation of perceived meaning and human spirit. That's our new purpose. Continue the the simulation, continue the hyper reality, continue this idea that um, even though we're doing everything unnaturally and we're no longer doing like the real deal um it'll be fine here uh have a burger (laughs) i laugh but it's actually quite sad and upsetting um there is actually a name for this um this path we're going in or as they call it the continued saturation of our reality um is called the procession of the simulacra with uh and by the way simulacra is um any sort of imitation or representation of a person or a thing. So it's like, um, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that. But yeah, it's not very lighthearted stuff, as you imagine. And now I want to emphasize this. Um, when I use the word simulation, um, I know it does have like the context of a virtual reality. Um, try your best to push that out of your mind. That simulation does not doesn't really mean digital. Simulation is anything that's like, you know, uh, anything that simulates something else. Um, something that is just, it's a mimic. It's something that it isn't quite. And, um, and that's the problem with a hyper reality by definition. And I know I keep saying it, but I want to make sure it drills through is hyper reality is when the fake thing becomes better than the real thing. When the fake thing surpasses the real, it fucks everything up. And that's hyper reality. So, um, they're actually, uh, in the book, uh, simulacra and simulations, there are actually four stages outlined of how we perceive reality. Uh, the first one is seeing reality as it is, or at least something close enough to it to understand what is being represented. Um, I think the best way to describe that is to see a painting of, or like somebody creates a painting of like, I don't know, England in like the 1500s or something like that. Like, you know, it might, it isn't exactly like a photo. It isn't exactly like the real deal, but like you, it's pretty real. It's, it's there. Like, you know, um, that's a way of perceiving things, you know, 
The second way we can perceive things is through a distorted lens or a distorted reality. Um, more commonly, this is when we kind of romanticize things or use a little creative license to make things appear a little bit better or worse than it actually is. So you can think about like kind of how we use colors and framing in like a movie or um, in like artwork or a painting or a drawing or a comic that creates a fictional world. But, you know, it's believable because it's based on, you know, they, they studied actual environments in order to create it. So second stage is this sort of like, you know, it's, it's not real, but like, you know, you see it's based on something real, essentially. Third stage, though, is an absence of a profound reality. And this is where reality is suggested, but ultimately it's not really, there's nothing really super realistic to pull from it. Um, I know this concept was kind of like hard for me to wrap my head around, but the best way I could think about this was like, um, so when we have paintings, um, you guys know Salvador Dali is this big surrealist painting or absurdism. Think of it kind of like that, where it's like when things start to get a little bit more absurd, like there's, um, I mean, not to the extent of like melting clocks and like weird faces like in the sky or anything like that, but we're perceiving reality to a point where um, the real meaning is truly starting to get lost. Um, I think this is, um, I mean, technically we're supposed to be in the next stage, but like, I would say we're, we're a little bit more in my opinion, I think we're a little bit more in the third stage when it comes to how things are right now, because there are people that don't quite let go of like, you know, like you get those channels of those guys who are like still like, you know, working like cowboys, like teaching us how to cook and like working on the field and like doing all those like, you know, realistic skills. But, um, most people will reject that in favor of, you know, city living and, you know, um, selling laptops to make a living. I don't know. Something like that. I, I, I think we're more here. But supposedly, though, we are already in the fourth and final stage, which is known as pure simulacrum or that um, it's a con- it's perceiving reality where the concept is just so symbolic and manufactured that there is just no relationship at all between reality and the representation anymore. So you could think like, you know, um, like Jackson Pollock, like, you know, the splurts and stuff like that. Like there's reality doesn't even matter anymore. Now it's become its own thing, which is funny to me because it's almost like exciting kind of in a way. It's a whoa, like we don't need things to be like based on the real world around us. It can be more emotional. It can be more um, its own thing, Um, which is cool in art. But if you take this concept to everything else, that's where it gets a little weird and creepy because we're at a point now where the product no longer has to pretend to be authentic or real because it's overridden what it was based on. Uh, Like I said, when the fake surpasses the real it fucks everything up because now nobody really like caring about the real one is sort of old news now now we're just excited about this like next new thing because it's so interesting and out there that we start to kind of the the after effect is we lose touch with where it originally came from so um i guess we could think of it that like this like um say we invented a an android um so it when we first invent it, you know, obviously it's not going to look like, you know, uh, actually no better example, sex robots. Yes. Okay. So the first one would be blow up dolls for sure. 
obviously it's fake. It's obviously just like a device just to like, you know, pretend to have sex with. Sure. Step two is distorted reality. So now we're starting to, um, you know, we're dressing them up. We're not quite at like the hyper realistic. Um, and that's funny, actually a funny point, hyper realistic and, um, like a hyper hyper reality and hyper realism are actually quite different. Uh, hyper reality, of course, is this really complicated subject, whereas hyper realism is this, um, funny enough compared to like Uncanny Valley, where it's this idea of it's actually so close to the real deal you almost second guess it. Like you almost have to be told that it's um fake for you to realize that it's fake. You know, so actually hyper realism is a really really interesting subject to bring up here. So second stage is not quite at hyper-realistic sex dolls, but it's a, we'll say realistic. It looks pretty real. You definitely know it's fake. Not quite at Uncanny Valley yet, but it's, it's you know, it's better than those like shitty ones that, you know, are just look like pool balloons with like the circle mouths and stuff like that. So um, third, the absence of profound reality. So reality is suggested, but really is only just there for show. I think that's where we're at right now in terms of sex dolls is hyper-realistic. Like, they look like the real deal. They look like people. The only thing that's keeping it from becoming the fourth and final stage is obviously the emotional and the, you know, humanistic spirit connection when it comes to having sex with another human. Um, If they can somehow create a sex robot that is just better in every way to actual like intercourse and intrahuman connection. That's, that's actually a really scary thought to think about. And that's the point where hyper real, like a uh, hyper reality could destroy us because um, if um, sex robots or sex dolls had reached a, a point of pure hyper reality, um, we might be in trouble because then having sex to create children is that's the only, re- like, you know, of course, obviously making children would be the one thing it had. But what if the sex robots could make children too? Like, then, like, what's the fucking point? Like, it's just, it's chaos. So, oh, man, that's a really, there was a Rick and Morty episode kind of about that where, <laughs> like, it's this planet where all the uh, the women have just created sex robots to do all the reproducing and um, they just send them down to like the male population. That's how they keep their species going. But they just, you know, live separate lives. In terms of, I mean, as it shows, I mean, of course, obviously opinions vary. It's a fictional subject and a fictional TV show. But you can think of it as, you know, it doesn't mean the collapse of society. But it is now if humankind reached that point where men and women just decided to just live separately and sex robots was just what we used and that's all we needed and we no longer had sex anymore. Yeah, yeah, we could still survive without society collapsing, but we're living in an imitation of the way we used to be. That is hyper reality. And I think that's probably, I didn't even write that in the outline and that's probably the best explanation I have of hyper reality is sex robots that can reproduce for us and it's just are so much better than the real deal that we just don't do the real deal anymore. And in a way though, we've kind of lost something really like inherently authentic to us as humans. And, um, that loss of authenticity, um, the question of whether that's good or bad is the real question of hyper reality is like, 
do we need that authenticity? And I think we do um, because as it's shown in today, depression's all time high and we don't really know why. And I think a lot of it too is just because we're moving beyond what we were originally built to do and it bums us out kind of weird. And like I said, I'm kind of still figuring this out as I go. This is, is quite a crazy idea, but um, uh, anyways, back to like the book and the terms and stuff. Uh, the simulacra, um, that idea can be further described by a quote, um, by saying the simulacrum is never that which conceals the truth. It is the truth which conceals that there is none because, you know, with sex robots taking care of anything, sex doesn't mean anything anymore. It's not a interconnection between people. There's no truth to it. There's no reality to it anymore. It's like, and that's the point of the hyper-realistic, uh, hyper-realism sex robot is, um, it doesn't conceal the, the truth at all, actually. It's just, it is a truth that is concealing the fact that we no longer have a truth and meaning anymore. Um, if that made sense, you'd probably be a little bummed out. <laughs> Okay. Um, in terms of the simulacra or simulated object, uh, it actually has three degrees of itself. Uh, number one is known as the first order, and this is where an object is clearly artificial and a placeholder to the original. So kind of a dumb example, but a good one, I think, is like the weighted sack that Indiana Jones used to swap out the idol in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it's just, it's the same weight. It's an imitation quite literally a placeholder and i mean it didn't work that's why it's kind of a dumb example but like you know that's kind of it it's just when a simulated it's a simulated object and if we think of it like that it makes sense that the object that the sack is a simulated um idol that indiana jones was swapping out so that's the first order of something where it's just it's very clearly a mimic second degree of the simulacra or the second order is where the object is now closer to being a faithful copy of the original. So that's like if Indy swapped out the idol with a idol that, you know, they made to look similar to it, but not obviously nothing close to the original, probably not nearly made of the same material because if you could make it of the same material, why would he steal it? You know, there's, there's no point. You'd need something close to the original. Um, but a lot of this um, concept was derived from with, unease about uh, mass production because um, there was a bizarre sentiment about um, how you have your prototype, obviously, which some would argue or some believe should be like, you know, the, the best version of it. And then all the copies of it, which would is arguably the, the, the lesser of them. But the problem here uh, is when something's reached the second degree of, um, of simulation or an, it's, it's, basically starting to become almost or sometimes even completely indiscernible. They function just the same. And um, that's where things kind of get a little weird where it's like, you know, you still need the prototype to keep creating the copies, but like, you know, then there's this, this weird disconnect. Um, the third order is where the copy has become, and we keep seeing this time and time again, the copy is greater than the original and all distinction between reality and representation vanishes but i think a really important point to point out here is this is also the point where originals originality now is ceases to become a desirable quality that's 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 whack 
because um, that gets me thinking about uh, music, actually, because I'm sure you've heard this before. Oh, nothing's original anymore. All art is copied and everything is just a recycling of something else. Uh, Hyper reality is kind of like that. Um, So, okay, if we think of it this way, music is a copy or a derivative of the genre. It came before it. I mean, like, you know, we had uh, like blues guitar and then that made it into rock guitar and then rock guitar turned into like glam and then it turned into metal but then it also turned into punk and then it turned in you know it, it branches off but everything is sort of based off the thing that came before it so in a weird way as it went on and as um music became less pure less um based on like i guess you could say reality um it became more based on its own rules and when it becomes based on its own rules we sort of lose the original i mean like just just now the furthest i could go back was blues but there was something that came from that and there was something that probably came from that and at least to my knowledge um pure originality in terms of music comes with musical inventions and the last major musical invention i think was electronic music and then and now we use electronic music to replicate real musical instruments and those are actually getting so good that there's some composers like Hans Zimmer or even I think most of them actually prefer to use the digital replication of musical instruments of like a full orchestra. And now it's to the point where it's like, yeah, you know, it's almost like, you know, listening to uh, um, um, Spotify versus listening to a record. I mean, the record does have its like, you know, charm and it does have like, you know, it is probably it, it, because it's closer to the real human spirit of things. But I mean, most of us are totally fine with just Spotify. You know, we don't need that super crazy extra HD. And um, I think the idea here is that, you know, like I said, the. I don't I, I mean, I haven't listened enough to know if digital orchestra sounds better than original, but I could say I can't really tell the difference. And that's when shit starts to get fucked, because now um music composing is changing. Now you only need one guy and a computer and the whole spirit of, you know, collaboration is sort of lost and you can still do it and there's still people hanging onto it. But I guess the fear with hyper reality is that the more we keep moving forward, the more we will eventually lose it completely because it's just, you know, we have an easier way of doing it. Um, Unless, of course, you know, all technology just ceased to exist, then I'm sure we'd rediscover it because we had to regress. So it seems like almost really the only way to break the hyper reality is we have to regress. Now, if you're a supervillain, um, don't take that as a fucking inspiration. That's uh, I don't think we should do that. But I don't know. It's kind of an odd thought of the only way we can really like, you know, start living the way we were living before. Or, you know, with that, like, human spirit and satisfaction of living and dying for a purpose. Um, it's almost like we've actually grown past that. So, I don't know. Like I said, a lot of this is very interpretive. Um, a lot of this, I think, you um, there isn't really... It's it's up for debate. I don't really think there's a whole right answer. And if you, if you have opinions on it and you're on, like, our Discord or something like that, feel free to drop something. Um, like I said, uh, I kind of had to just do like a crash course on all this stuff and I'm just kind of figuring it out as I go. But, um, if you do know a thing or two, like, yeah, let me know. I could be completely missing the mark on this. Um, so if you're totally lost, honestly, at this point, that's, that's fine. Well, I'll just 
keep on doing my best to just try to keep on elaborating and may, maybe something will sing or maybe maybe it's already worked and maybe you're totally on board in which case um cheers and with that i'm gonna have another drink real quick mm. ah, 3 a.m whiskey it um delirium really makes it taste better mm. one of the things that kind of got me thinking is like what is the what exactly is reality like what are we sort of looking at here? Because I feel like I got a little confused when it came to, uh, because, you know, I was thinking like I was talking about before reality, like the matrix versus the real world. But, um, I feel like when it comes to the term of hyper reality versus actual reality, um, it gets a little bit more out there or a little bit broader. It's just, it, it felt very, um, I wasn't really sure what to put my finger on of like, what, what is it I'm comparing this to hyper reality versus blank. And so reality, I guess by pure definition is it's not, it's something that is not a derivative of anything else. It just exists as it is. So, um, it's see, it's hard. Like, um, because, and, in a weird, frightening way, you could say the reason it's hard for me to come up with what's actually real is the fact that that's how far fucking gone we are, <laughs> that we've been living in a hyper-realistic society for so long or living through um, hyper-reality that um, we don't know what's real anymore. Maybe I don't know what's real right now. And I mean, I'm trying to think of something like, oh, like farming or tying a shoe. Um, I guess that's pretty real. Um yeah, it's really tough. I, I honestly am not 100% sure. That's what I think, though. I think reality is, you know, something that entices the human spirit. At least that's my way of, like, boiling it down. Because, like I said, I am I do not know the fancy terms. I do not know, like, the researched way of describing this. Um, I'm just kind of, this is just the best way I can wrap my head around it and the best way I can sort of describe it. But I think reality is something, it's a skill set that has a practical usage that contributes to the human spirit. When that practical skill is no longer necessary, the reality is sort of lost. Or, um, you know, with electronic music, of we no longer need to learn instruments anymore. The reality of it, of the best way to make a cool guitar song is you need to learn guitar is we're starting to lose that. And now in a way, I mean, some change of that is really cool and unique and that we get new, interesting, unique takes on it. But also too, are we also losing the full extent of what, um, guitar can do because now that people don't have to learn the instrument, um, we're not, we're not doing realistically doing it. We're creating guitar music in a hyper realistic setting where, um, we're using a program to do it. And, even though it might still sound good, there's just something not quite there. And that's another thing with hyperreality is a lot of it is it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a, I'd say concerning thing. It's just this sort of, it's less about hyperreality itself, but more of what it's doing to us and what we're losing and what that might cause us to do. And that maybe that's what's going to cause this regression or maybe surge of violence because we just want so bad to. Well, and also that, that goes back to the idea of, do you think humankind is inherently violent? Do you think violence is a part of our nature and that we need warfare to continue to, you know, have our human spirit? 
like, and that's a, a subject I think is explored in like a lot of media of, um, you know, mankind's penchant for violence against man against man or a common foe or an enemy. Like we need, we're conquerors. We need something to defeat, I think. And, you know, it's this whole idea of purpose, 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 reality, reality, reality. Like I said, um, a lot of this is up for debate, but, um, let's, okay. I think I'm done. I'm done for the mind fuckery for a bit. Um, let's just go into some more like real world examples. Um, I think, um, one of my favorite is the idea of, um, Facebook. Um, because I saw there was a, uh, there was a YouTube video, it was a Ted talk. And, uh, I believe it was by Jun Wong Zhang. And he brings up this idea of Facebook being, um, obviously our digital representation. We can upload whatever we want and look however we want on there. Sure. But the thing with hyper-reality surrounding Facebook isn't always just the pictures we upload to make our lives look better than they actually are. But it is, there was a time where we would go out, we took pictures with our friends, and we went home and we enjoyed it. But now we go out and do cool, exciting things specifically to take pictures to upload onto Facebook or social media. Like, it's backwards now. Like we now use this, the, our social media as that's our reason for doing things where originally the reality was our reason for doing things. And now we enact the reality for the simulation. So we're kind of slaves to this simulation We're we're slaves to this idea of the, of like, of this made up thing that just, you know, it just works because, you know, it makes us feel better about ourselves. It makes us feel, um, validated instead of, I don't know, actually going out and being validated. We have a safer way of achieving validation. We have a safer way of feeling popular. We have a safer way of making friends. Cause guess what? If they start being a bunch of jackasses, you could just delete them with a click of a click of a mouse. And whereas, you know, in reality, somebody's being a jackass, it's a little bit more of a complicated situation. You know, it's a little bit, a little bit rougher. And, um, I know in the Ted talk, he kind of further elaborates by saying that society with hyperrealism is no longer under our control. Society now is the thing that controls us. Our hyperreality is our society because our society is innately human. And all it depends on is how other humans perceive how we are and what it is that we can improve that. And what's frightening about that is, um, you know, we with we, we live in an era with, um, you know, a lot of like influencers and shit like that. And like famous people are, you know, more like, you know, praise than ever because um, when it comes to hyper reality, you know, we're deviating from realism as much as possible, which also means deviate, you know, coming up with something a little bit easier. I've noticed that that's kind of another big thing is easier. We want easier. We want more efficient at the sacrifice of our soul. So when we're talking, I guess if we really want to be a little bit more confrontational about reality, uh, then you kind of have to ask yourself, like, are you thinking your own thoughts? Like, are you, are your ideologies like actually yours or are you just copying somebody? Because that's, remember, that's hyper-reality. It's copying. It's a copy that surpassed the original. So 
our Logan Pauls and our all of our YouTube stars and stuff like that, they sell this idea of reality. It's not reality at all because they're all rich as hell and they're just fucking around. But we eat it up because it's a version of reality that we digest and enjoy it and we consider it entertainment. Um, I think uh, Bo Burnham was really onto the shit with uh, um, Inside and just like interviews in general. Like um, uh, there's this one song, uh, That Funny Feeling, which I think really nails this idea with like hyper reality of like everything is so contradictory and like out of place and like we've, we've kind of already signed our own death warrant. We're already on the way to like, basically spiritual destruction and um how it's um what was it I'm, one of my favorite lines from it was um celebrate the revolution but half off at the gap they were like bugles take on race and shit where it's just like suddenly companies that don't mean fucking anything were suddenly valuing their opinions because that you know pushes the simulation because it pushes the idea that these corporations are people that care about us and we buy our products because they care about us and they're they're giving us the best because they care and the thing is is i most people don't fall for that completely i think there is a degree of like irony and stuff like that but i do think we because we're beginning to lose purpose in our convenient lifestyles we now want to, that's why they can sell these famous people a lot better because now there's a meaning to strive towards. Uh, I want to be like Michael Jordan, like be like Mike. I want to fucking like, you know, be a basketball player, be amazing like them. And some people, you know, pull it off. But what about the millions who don't? The millions that were not naturally built to realistically be that. You feed us into the simulation. I will talk about fucking art school on this one. Um, I think art school is one big fucking hyper reality of, um, the only real way to get your, your money's worth out of it is to, um, actually be already a working pro artist because they say, oh no, it'll be great. We'll teach you how to do art. We'll teach you how to be amazing. We'll teach you how to like, you know, get into the industry and you're going to kill it and it's going to be awesome. But in my opinion, the reality of it is that, um, if you're not already at a working professional level, nobody wants to talk to you and there's, or nobody really takes you seriously except any, everybody else at your level. And in a weird way, you just network with people who don't know how to network or who aren't like, you know, quote unquote meant to do this. And so they sucker you into it and take your money because they get you caught up in something that you weren't realistically meant to pull off. You know, obviously I'm getting extremely like, um, Obviously, I'm hitting, this is obviously personal, but um, I just, you know, it's not that I'm bad at what I do. It's just, I wasn't meant to do it. There was, it wasn't my bag, but they sold it to me like it could be though. If you work hard enough, you can make your way up. You could be the next big thing. And I bought that shit hook, line and sinker because that's kind of the basis of why hyper reality works is we'd rather take this fake world where, um, all we got to do is show up to the classroom and everything's going to work out great. And it shattered when I graduated and got the job in it and realized, oh, fuck, like none of the, I can't live like this. Like, this is horrible. I am like not great at this. And that's uh, another big thing about, um, like I kind of said before with like COVID and stuff like that, it actually broke hyper reality because by being stuck at home and having, you know, um, 
bars are closed. There's no major movies coming out. All the things that, you know, the, the big events and the concerts, the, the stuff that kept us distracted, the stuff that we looked forward to weren't happening anymore. Suddenly, we kind of had to take a look inward and kind of like the pointlessness of everything sort of started to key in because we kind of had a moment of lucidity. Like we were able to kind of be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, and on top of that, everybody's fucking dying around us. So there's that too. That kind of makes you second guess things of, was I really living? Did I really have purpose here? And uh, there's comparisons to even um, 9-11 when that happened. Um, this idea of um, America is safe. America is great. America can't be attacked. And then we got attacked. And then everyone flipped their, lost their goddamn minds. Everything was fucked up. And we ended up getting propelled into this huge war, which, you know, obviously had ulterior motives. But... Um, it was, um, there was a paper written about that. Um, I think, let me see. I think I have it written down. It is called Welcome to the Desert of the Real, um, which was a point where just like in, um, cause I mean, also after COVID, especially in America, we had a fuck ton of protests. We had a, cause people were, it became the status quo was able to be questioned because we realized it was based on bullshit because we had a lot of free time on our hands, a lot of time to really like ingest the world for as it is. And, um, you know, and with nine 11, it woke us up to the fact that the world is a frightening and a war torn place, even though we don't see it every day, it's happening because now it's on our shores and the hyper, the simulation of the hyper reality broke and that's a big point with hyperreality is even when we do break through it, because some people might think, oh, we just got to break the simulation. People come crawling right fucking back. Just think Trump. Half the reason people love him so much is because he's a goddamn reality star who turned our whole nation into a reality show. He turned everything into a simulation because he just denied blatant facts. And that was great for everybody because they just, you know, when your president says it, it's easier for people to believe it than if like, I don't know, their neighbor says it. So Trump became a huge perpetuator of hyper reality because he wanted people to live in this fake world of the system that he made up because the system he made up, um, isn't really based on anything realistic. It's just based on, I want what I want and you should give it to me because I'm great. And that's why we have so many fanatics. The system broke the fake surpassed the real, the lies are surpassing the truth. And when that happens, it's just chaos. And so, like I said before, there's some hyper-reality cases that um, aren't the worst. But um, the problem is how far it goes and how when you're caught up in a hyper-reality, um, the fear is that you're no longer thinking for yourselves. You're a mimic of the thing that you want to be. And then, um, and then what are you but just a puppet? You're just a shell. You're just a moving doll for somebody else. And I think that's, you know, that's a big fear with hyper reality is it makes us vulnerable because we are so desperate for purpose and we're so desperate for anything to like fill us with a sense of accomplishment of humanity. Um, we'll do some fucked up shit to do it. And like, it's all, you know, it's pretty whack. And fucking, you know, advertising companies are pushing that shit so hard. Like, um, one case that kind of cracks me up is fucking, uh, Supreme. 
Now, Supreme um, originally was a um, it's, um, you know, it's streetwear, so it's like for it was for skaters. That was original. I mean, their original store has a goddamn half pipe and stuff. I went on their website before recording this episode, and they're selling a fucking three hundred dollar sled. It is a sled with the word Supreme on it. Now, the way this relates to hyperreality is obviously that's incredibly absurd, but um, sort of like how it is with Apple, where it's not just about buying the iPhone and tricking us into the iPhone is the best iPhone in the world. Um, it's the idea of they're selling us on this whole ecosystem of products and fucking Supreme. It's no longer about the t-shirt. It's no longer about the use value of what they have. It's now about, you know, cause Supreme there. The, so if you don't know how Supreme works is they only have like certain stuff out for like a little bit. And then after like a month or two, then they pull it and they put in completely new products and the old ones, you just can't get them anymore. So, um, at first it was all about, you know, just t-shirts, you know, clothes for skaters, you know, a very realistic way of selling clothes, but now it's less about, now it's not about that at all. It's about the idea of Supreme. It's about the idea of, um, like I said, you buy your stupid fucking sled, but the reason people buy it, and this is, I think what's such a mind fuck about this whole thing is they're not doing it because they were hypnotized. They're doing it because it's funny, ironic, but also, kind of on brand like supreme they don't give a shit if you buy their t-shirts they just want you to keep buying but the best way to get you to keep buying is to um suspend you in this false idea that um anything with the supreme logo is backed with all kinds of um prestige like there's a oh we i'm on their website it says like oh we have only the finest like artists and designers and etc and it's just like dude at the end of the day it's just a sled that says supreme on it that you paid three hundred dollars for no better than a sled that does the same exact thing it's made out of good material but that's that's the thing is it's not about the sled it's about supreme it's about them feeding you this fake idea that you don't need you don't need supreme the idea of needing Supreme is artificial. The idea of needing su- Supreme is a simulation. It's a simulated world where when you own Supreme merchandise, you everyone's going to think you're rich and think you're cool. And the worst part is people buy into it because when you're wearing a Supreme shirt, people are usually like, oh, damn, they fucking believe it. And that's why it works is because with hyper reality, um, it's not like kind of going all the way back to the Matrix. The Matrix is forced. But in hyper-reality, you need to be willing. The consumer which or the, the company which is creating this lie and the consumer who willingly buys into it because it makes them feel better and they create their ecosystem that is a hyper-reality in advertising, which is fucking whack. It is just absolutely fucking whack, um, especially compared to like, you know, because back in the day when brands were first becoming a thing, like Levi Strauss with jeans that jeans were that was the first time they were ever invented and the reason they were super popular was because they just fucking were cheap and they worked really well and they were durable and that's why people loved it now everyone buys fucking supreme not because it's great but because they believe in this story or like you know they bought it ironically for the joke or some other you know it's made up all that shit's made up 
irony and buying things for irony, that has not been a thing since this recent, like, past, like, 20 years. Who the fuck bought, buys things ironically? We do. And that's the big change. And that's the difference. And that's where, that's why hyperreality is such a creepy idea of where it's taking us and what it might become is it's just this, like, um, you know, we're just starting to do really weird shit that doesn't really do much for us. And I mean, there are still things that we do that like, you know, we need, obviously we need to get a job or have a family or settle down. So, I mean, there's parts of us that, you know, having us be in a complete simulation, a hundred percent, like that's just pretty fucking hard to pull off. But like, um, you know, there's just parts and more and more of our society is becoming more of this, like, you know, unreal, made up like set of laws and rule. I mean, okay. Some, okay. So laws like, you know, for like, you know, policing and stuff like that, they're, 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 they're pretty realistically, but there's also a bunch of bullshit thrown in there. You know, it's kind of everywhere. It's, um, oof, it's really rough. <laughs> it is, this is a rough subject to think about, honestly, and it is getting pretty late. So it is on about three forty-five. Um, on my end, um, if the timing doesn't line up, it's cause I edited things. If you're that <laughs> detail oriented, I guess, but, um, I don't know. There's this whole, so let's get into the, so hyper reality, is it bad or is it good? I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, I know for a time I would have said that hyper reality was the best fucking thing that could have ever happened. Cause fuck the real world. Everything sucks. Let's just get fucked up and die. But um, at the same time, you know, I've, I feel like a better answer is using this opportunity to find what makes you feel most alive. Look through and, and that's going to take some hard searching because that's the thing about hyper reality is nobody's just going to fucking look in the mirror and be like, oh, God damn, my fucking, my, my metaphysics are kind of off. Like, damn, I fucking really feel like I'm not objectively achieving things that realistically enlighten my human spirit. Nobody fucking thinks that. That's why, that's why hyper reality works because most people don't want to dive that deep into their subconscious or their mental or whatever. So I think instead of trying to book learn everybody into being the best person they can be, I think it's, a, you should figure out what the best person you can be. But I think also, too, with the fact of hyper-reality and the fact that, um, you know, we tend to lean towards becoming something that doesn't exist, um, really do some some thinking about what exists and what is tangible and how how you can achieve it. Because, you know, it's, yes, I get it. It's fucking easier to buy a, you know, gold chain and a Supreme t-shirt and $400 pants and showing up to the party and everyone's gonna be like, whoa, and there's your like endorphin rush. And now you feel like the coolest guy on campus, but like, sure. And you can do that. And I'm not saying that that's like, you know, you're part of the fucking tread into the hyper real hell or whatever, but like, I, okay. I'll say it like this. Be careful where you hang. <laughs> I'll say it like this. Be careful where you hang your self-esteem. If you hang it on something fake, if you put it bet it all on trying to be like Jay-Z, like, you know, and you don't end up like Jay-Z, you're going to you're going to get burned. You got to find meaning. And I mean, really find meaning. And it's really hard to do that because nobody wants you to. 
And remember that nobody wants you to break free from hyperreality. They want you to keep living in it because then they don't have to discover what it is that they're truly missing in life. And sometimes it can be a little bit of a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. Um, some of us get pulled right back into it and I'm not, I can't even say that I'm the, I'm perfect about it. I mean, shit. I love my animation stuff that I can just lose myself in this like fake world where I can pretend like I'm the one who made the show and like, it's like great or something like that or, you know, whatever sort of fantasy because fantasy and hyper reality, it's like basically you can almost think of reality plus fantasy plus efficiency is sort of like hyper reality. But, um, I don't know. It's pretty hard to say. Um, well guys, I, I think I did the best I could. Um, I guess um, one last point I wanted to make out really quick was um, Twitch. Um, I think that's a pretty dang hyper-realistic take on um, or hyper-reality take on being a part of a community because um, you get really emotionally invested in people that don't fucking give a shit about you, but you're still part of the, like their network. And when we lived in Corona times, um, when that sort of you know became more fun to you than actually hanging out with friends the simulation surpassed the reality, hyper reality. There you go. So in a way, I think that's why Twitch is so popular. And that's why people are so ride or die for some of these people, because when your favorite streamer stops doing the thing that made you a fan of them in the first place, you feel like your communities just betrayed you, you know, which is not fucking real. None of that shit matters. Like a couple hundred years ago, no, people would be like, what the fuck are you on about? Even previous generations, sometimes they still have a hard time understanding why we get like attached to like video games and how we get like emotional about them and stuff like that or stories because they always just, they had a deeper dose of reality. And we're in a really unique transition period where hyper reality is, is new. Like this is like, I mean, yeah, it's been around for a while, but it's this is a developing concept. This is something we're just sort of now like really starting to sink our teeth into and really starting to see the results of it. It's hard to say. We're just kind of going through an in-progress thing. But um, anyways, like I said, I think that's about as much as I can do. I am fucking exhausted. But um, thank you for listening. Again, I know, short episode. Um, but it was fun to look into this. It was fun to do the research on it. Um, it kind of was like hell and a half on my brain, but, um, I did the best I could. Um, I hope, I hope it was just fun, you know? Oh fuck. I forgot to bring up Disneyland, but, um, totally like the same deal. Um, Disneyland is like, you know, it's a fake world. That's like so good. It makes even, Oh, if the Disneyland isn't, is this great? Maybe the real world isn't so bad either. And nope. Uh, hyper reality. It's fake. It leads you to believe this fake set of, of, a. Uh, it's not even based on reality. It's this weird idea of what reality kind of is. That's hyper reality. And um, I guess I should throw this one in, but like they say, um, supposedly, uh, what's his face? Uh, Baudrillard. Uh, originally, he said the best um, story or um, allegory for hyper reality was a story where it was these people who made basically a exact like mile to mile um, map that so the map was so perfect to the land. It basically was a giant land, like map that covered the land. But then since it covered the land people and it was so accurate, people ended up using the map instead of the actual land itself. And that's where the simulation sort of takes over the real thing. Really simple. Um, might be too little too late. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I've been talking for way too long. I need to get this going. Like I said, um, 
Ugh, it's kind of a weird week. Nick had his birthday coming up. Uh, I'm going to be out of town, so I kind of had to do a rush job on this. Um, so if it doesn't feel super actualized, um, that's why. But I think um, we brought up enough information to, you know, scratch our heads a bit. Um, oh, who knows? Maybe we'll revisit this. But um, anyways, Count Chocula episode still in the works. Um, yeah, not really a whole lot of updates on that front. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, you could five star rate and review. That would help a ton. Um, Spotify, you could click follow. We have new episodes every single Wednesday. Our Instagram is at CEOTPK. Our YouTube is Close Encounters of the Podcast Kind. Our Twitter is at CEOTPK1. Our Facebook, Close Encounters of the Podcast Kind. You can email us at CEOTPK1 at gmail.com. You could join our Discord at discord.gg slash lowercase b, number six, capital C, capital T, number five, capital M, capital X. Or you can donate our coffee, ko-fi.com slash CEOTPK. All these links um, are on our Facebook, facebook.com slash CEOTPK. It's just a lot easier to go that way. Uh, if you don't have a Facebook, um, uh, well, I can't force you to do what you don't want to do. Um, you do what makes you feel great. Um talking with all you guys um it's always fun to do these episodes uh nice and intimate and cozy and um yeah nick will be back next week for who knows what the fuck we're gonna do but um until then um hope you guys uh have a good rest of week morning whatever you got going on and um hopefully i'll come back a lot better rested (laughs) so long